Welcome to the 12th episode of the Animal Riot Podcast, brought to you by Animal Riot Press, a literary press for books that matter. It's your producer, Katie, here, and this episode has been edited to reflect our new name. If you're new to the Animal Riot community, welcome, and you can find out more about us at AnimalRiotPress.com. Now on to the episode with your host, Brian Birnbaum, and today's guest, Annie Kravenschmidt. Bomb. We're here today with Annie Krabenschmidt and, of course, our lovely producers, Katie Rainey. Many people. Many people. <laughs> <laughs> Annie is a writer of comedy and now nonfiction. She has a website with a blog and some hilarious videos, including a stand-up video and a painfully accurate short about post-breakup behavior that I just watched like 10 minutes ago. So I was like... We're all in that mood right now. Yeah, I was meeting you... <laughs> Before you came Three in, sadness. yeah, <laughs> exactly. I am quite impressed with anyone who can do stand up. Oh, I yeah. think it is an unbelievably hard thing to do. I thought about doing it since I was like twenty years old. Yeah, and then I, and then it just slowly went down because I was like, I can't. I, I never was gonna nut up and do it. You I, know d- what I, mean? I do kind of think that like plenty of people can do stand up. I mean, all it takes is getting up there, right? But I do think yeah. that like <laughs> writers like could do it. I think it's we are particularly scared of it because we're, like, careful with our work. Like, Mm. that kind of... Interesting. Yeah, that's what I think. Because I'm also very... I'm still very scared of it. And, like, I haven't done it in New York yet. I just moved here, but... I could tell you were pretty... You were pretty practiced, too. Like, your lines were just, like, really, like... Oh, and that's not great. Like, you're not supposed to, like... People aren't supposed to be, like, she rehearsed that. (laughs) Um, Well, you know... Maybe it's supposed to seem more casual. Exactly. Oh, okay. But yeah, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. So. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely like memorize the whole thing. But yeah, like, yeah. ideally you would just be like, this is my bit. And then you can kind of like. You cut off the cuff it. And yeah. like, you know, you feel, you feel it out. And then when you're, then you can come back to that bit. And, and do like, it again. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Do it you kind of want to be a little more loose on stage. Yeah. yeah. I, that's, ex- I, I can very much relate to that. <laughs> I was the, I think I've actually maybe, maybe said this on this podcast before, but I, I was the kid like in my, in my communications class in college, I, for our final speech of the year, like I ripped four or five shots before I went because right. I, oh my was God. So, I was so, and it was, it didn't work out that well, but it was better than if I had gone sober because right. I went from being like a robot who could not speak honestly, just like coherent sentences right. without having a panic attack to right. being like kind of slurring my words, right. but feeling a little better about it. You I, know? I actually, I was in Durham where I just moved here from and last year I broke my leg and it was like Ooh. this formative experience for me for sure. Doing, doing what? Playing soccer. So like Ooh, 250 nice. pound guy no, just like yeah. landed. Oh shit, yeah, co-ed was, soccer? Yeah, it was like a big, big injury. Was, and, was this the goalie? No, I was the center back. He was the goalie. Yes, it was the goalie. It was the goalie. Wow, okay. I was like, yeah, 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 he was the goalie. Okay, I was about um, 250 pounds. What can you be putting yeah. out there? <laughs> but basically, I was like, what else do I have to live for? Like, I'm doing stand-up this summer. And so, <laughs> but, like, I drank too much. I'm a small, small human, uh-huh. and I drank way too much and, like, forgot everything. And, like, people in North Carolina are so nice that I was, like, hobbled on stage on my crutches mm-hmm. and, like, like crawled up there. And I was like, wasn't that hilarious? And, like, no one Oh my god. They were just like, no, we're so sad for you. <laughs> Wait, but I thought you started doing stand up in high school. No, I did, I did. But oh, I okay. um and so I did a little bit in college. As I was saying earlier, college kind of beat out my spark a little bit. 
made me a little more afraid to do stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, I, yeah, I'm actually interested in that. Yeah, um, what? Because yeah. Honest, what happened? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, college was not the greatest experience for me either. Yeah. Even though, like, by the end, it definitely got a lot better. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty tough for me too. It was. I don't know what it was, but like, as soon as I arrived, I was like, I'm a freak. <laughs> like, just like mm-hmm. very. I think huh. it, it maybe like more of a homogenous campus, Duke's campuses, and like I went to Maryland, by the way. Yeah, like oh, I, see, y'all, I went to art school it and was I like freedom to art for me <laughs> after being in the south and in like an all-girls school uh-huh. and i was just like i can be weird yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and i could not there's actually oh my gosh this anecdote is like too good not to share but like within the first month i was super homesick i came from san francisco so i was like who are you people and i was in this acting class and i didn't realize that there's classes that people took just to get a's i thought that like mm. everyone took classes because they wanted to because they liked them or so wanted was, to challenge yeah. themselves <laughs> so i was yeah. like what is this class? Why are all these famous basketball players in this class and like soccer players? And um, we did this exercise one day that was like the teacher asked for me, for someone, and it ended up being me, to be in the center of the room while everyone made judgments based on their appearance. Wow. Like, what the? The fuck? exercise is like, look how when you posture yourself a certain way, people make assumptions. And I was like, couldn't you have picked like any of the pop like I'm clearly the only person who doesn't have friends in this class like couldn't you have picked anyone else and they put me in the middle and everyone's like I was wearing just like a v-neck sweater and then my hair was in a messy bun and everyone's like uptight naive like wow. like mm, I don't librarian and I was just like this is just so inaccurate that's and, and this is in Durham right yeah and this is like in a class <laughs> So at the same time, on the uh, in the same state, I was at Winston Salem at the art school right. at University Having of North. A good yeah, time. yeah, just like like being the only female in film school at wow. the time, and just yeah. being like suddenly like I have boyfriends <laughs> or like <laughs> even like a couple girlfriends right. at the time, yeah. and like just running amok and being weird. Wow, that's crazy. And that's actually so interesting because like Duke technically is a liberal campus, but yeah, that's kind of bullshit though. Right. I mean, like honestly. I would say, like, because College Park is kind of the same deal. It's pretty homogenous as well. It's not as smart as Duke. And, like, in that sense, like, Duke is an expensive school, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Duke is, like, relatively... Because colleges are such liberal places in general. I think compared to most colleges... Duke is probably a pretty conservative campus. And it's also, I like have a lot of questions about the intersection of class and like yeah, the yeah, freedom of expression exactly. just because, as you guys know from this piece, like like the duty to uphold certain femininity and in a certain class is mm-hmm. like very high. And, so and it's I think, Southern too. It's a, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, it's in North Carolina. Yeah, so. so it was just like, I did not, like what, whatever, for, the, the biggest reaction I had to realizing that I was gay was like, I have failed. Like, I have failed as a woman, and so now I need to, like... Yeah, later she's going to read a part of her essay that she read... teasers at the Yeah, at the Dead... (laughs) Which she read at the reading series, which isn't done yet, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. it's just just a part of it. But anyway, yeah, so so you're going to talk a little bit about about that. Oh, that whole process, but... When uh, when did that thought occur that you felt like you failed as a woman? Well, so I I definitely was, like, a tomboy, but I went to a small high school, so I was, like, people accept me. Like, I just Mm -hmm. have a place here. And then I got to college within, like, the first week. It was either, like, at a party or just, like, in this group where I was looking at a man, and I was like, no, I'm I'm never going to be in love with you. And, Mm -hmm. like, I just was so crushed. Mm. It was such a crushing feeling, which I'm sad to, like, have to report that, but it's the truth. Literally last night when we were on with Chris, I was talking about how 
It is incredible to me. I'm just going to repeat Chris it. Chris Gonzalez. Chris Gonzalez. in the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pour out some oat milk libations right now. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's alive and will. But anyway. <laughs> we didn't kill him. Despite yeah, we the never fact know that we, who's coming in that, and that we, we were just joking earlier that we put up blankets to, you know, for, for the acoustics, quote unquote, here. And yeah. now our neighbors probably think we're, we're laying out sheets and murdering people. Or Katie, Katie actually made a little less dark example of that we were doing porn but you know i prefer murder but anyway yeah. why not we just went on a tangent there welcome to our podcast we're 10 minutes in these, yeah. are, these are their stories but i will repeat this it never ceases to amaze me how much like how big of an impact society has on your psyche in terms of coming out and oh, realizing yeah. this for yourself because i was telling chris like no straight person waits until college to be like oh i like the opposite sex. It's just like, it, like, there's no point where it happened. Yeah. Like you knew, like, like if it wasn't for like, there's no other factor than society. Right. like, it, like, you know, and I'll take it one of, step further and say too, that like what it was, was not me seeing a woman and, and thinking, Oh, I'm attracted to her. It was more like, I'm not attracted to any mm. of you men. And it was much more about breaking that society. Like it's inside me and realizing like in retrospect of course like of course i'm gay like looking back it makes total sense but having to first like negate whatever it was that was being forced on me and and being like well now i got to address this and figure out what i'm going to do about it so had you had you allowed yourself to feel attraction to women before that point or was it only it was only a negative realization yeah 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 yeah. it was it was like i didn't even register that that's what was happening i was just like we're good friends like it Uh. and it was truly like deep deep inside it wasn't like i have feelings for her but we're such good friends it was just like no it's because we're we're best friends like Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm -hmm. it was deep in there and so like the funny thing about repression and like coming out of it is like it's such a moment of clarity it as if you always knew it but Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you did it it's it's mind-boggling to me how how the brain works like that Yeah. yeah yeah that's honestly like what you just said i've never articulated but i tend to refrain from identifying as anything i called myself bisexual for a while and like we we kind of talked about this on the I'm, last yeah, episode yeah i'm having deja vu right yeah. now this is great <laughs> we had a, i love we, this conversation we talked a little bit so. about like <laughs> pansexual with chris versus bisexual and i just tend to be a little bit more fluid just in general yeah. like i've had partners of different everything of different genders and we were talking last night with chris about that and what you just said about never really realizing that that you were sexually attracted to a woman it was just like we're really good friends like that was my first inkling and my with my honestly with my best friends as i was just like i like am just so close to you right that's Um, so strange though because like i would never be able to make can make the connection i don't know how i would have been able to make the connection because i it's hard for me not to feel the same way with my best friends from back home. Well, that's why I feel so close to them. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But like, I'm not attracted to them. So it's hard for me to understand how you go from A to B because you say you saw like, you know, oh, I'm definitely not attracted to men. Like right. I can see that now. Right. But I don't if know. You, I get where you're coming from. That, I, feel, I think it's a little bit different if I, you're female. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I get, fr- that, that's what I'm trying really to understand. But I also think that like what you're articulating is the tra- the challenge where it was like, you felt really close, but you're like, no. And I felt really close. And I was like, no, until uh-huh. one day I was like, yeah, no, yeah, that's what's happening. But what's here. the, what's stop? So, like, that's my question is like, what's stopping me from then hypothesizing that society is making me repress myself? That maybe I am into men too. Maybe you should explore that a little You know bit. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I've thought about it in depth. And like, it doesn't, yeah. I still don't get those feelings, but like, I well, never will really truly know 
because I feel like unless I was born into a society that like, because I'm like, you know, was it the Kinsey scale? Am I, is that the right one? Yep. Am I called? I think that's right. Kinsey I, scale? I, I don't know what that is. Oh, you don't know what the Kinsey I scale is? I think it's like the queer scale. Yeah. It's yeah. like how, how gay or straight are you? And like, oh, we're all kind of on the continuum. I've never heard of that. Like, like, I feel like I'm way on the straight side, but like, who knows? Like, who yeah. knows how much I slide and who knows how much of like deep down un or subconsciously oh, totally. it's like, no, you're just never going to let yourself feel that little part. Oh, you know and I, I mean? also like, I identify as gay, but like, I'm also wonder how much of that is like, I, I, the closest, like the next best label for me besides straight was that I was a gay woman. Like, mm-hmm. like who knows if I'm, I'm actually a lot more fluid than that, but I'm like, I need to attach myself to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm, I'm maybe I'm not, I don't know. Who knows? Like, like you're saying, yeah, I still struggle a lot and not in a bad way, in a good way with trying to unlearn some of the rules of, yeah. of yeah. sexuality. So yeah. I'm still like, I'm good with the label and I've been good with the label for six years since I came out. And then only this summer, and I'm 25 for God's sake, but my therapist was like, like, are you cool with liking girls? Like, is that actually okay with you? And I was just like, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Like the actual That's the correct sexual answer, attraction yeah. to it made like continued to make me nervous. And mm-hmm. so like it's really only recently that I'm that I'm actively like unlearning that part that is the actual like sex and intimacy part of mm-hmm. this whole situation i can imagine and one of our talking points is mm-hmm. to talk about your breakup mm. <laughs> but uh no but i can imagine that it makes a breakup that much harder oh, because yeah. when you don't know when you feel so insecure about something and you just come out of your shell then it's like oh i have to go through this all over again like and one of the funniest parts of that video i saw <laughs> was like you're stretching like you're gonna go on a run and she goes like, I just feel like I'm the only gay person in this city. And then it focuses in on the Golden Gate yeah. Bridge. <laughs> I'm just like, that's fucking perfect. Yeah. Well, but the funny thing is like, that was such a real thought I had was like, I am alone yeah. in this world. It feels like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and straight people feel like that after a breakup. Yeah. But I can, f- I feel like it's only magnified. I mean, there are, pro- I mean, I, I feel like statistically there's probably less bi or gay people. Maybe that's not really true. And that's a societal adjustment. Yeah. But like for, you know, argument's sake. So there is like so you deal with the you deal with like how late you had to deal with cope with all that and then like it's your first experiences yep. and I and mean I, kind of I, had, I had my first serious relationship when I was in my mid twenties and so it was like it, I was like oh shit I feel like a sixteen year old teenager oh, right yeah. now when I broke oh, yeah. up you know <laughs> and it's, I was so proud of myself in high school because I was like I'm not like you girls like wasting your lives because you're hurt by some dude and then, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. as soon as I fell in love I was like oh love, <laughs> love tummy like I get it now like love being tummy. so I'm stupid <laughs> I'm just like everyone else yeah. I that's, never felt more like a girl when I than when I was <laughs> falling in love I think that's the cutest girlfriend. thing that other than fluffle that's been said on this podcast <laughs> yeah. we learned what a fluff tummy? a fluffle was but yeah love f- love tummy love that tummy, might be the name good. of this episode is love tummy yeah, <laughs> it's better f- than love sick I what's like love a f- uh, fluff a, gr- a, a fluffle is a group of rabbits yeah oh that is adorable All right there's like yeah. a sh- there was like a shit ton of of words and yeah I was like upset. a like a warren a, warren, a, a brood a, a, all this yeah. shit with you know? no brood is hen oh uh, yeah well, the brood was hen we like right? fluffle yeah. i like all those words murder of crows that kind of murder thing. of crows yeah, is mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait so i just want to give a tiny bit of context a context since we're i know we're very far in but just <laughs> yeah. who, mm-hmm. I, who am I? I yeah who are you annie mm-hmm. well, i met you through our friend mary our mutual friend who you're yep. in a writing group with yep. in in yeah. brooklyn or queens or wherever queens, you guys yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, where do you where do you live by the way? I'm in Manhattan. Yeah. You're in Manhattan. Yeah. Wait, which part? In the village. 
In the village. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm currently cool. living in my sister's apartment. So. Oh, and you just moved to New York. Yeah, like five months. Oh, six months anniversary is on Friday. Yeah. And still showed up to the her reading with like an entourage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you had your very first reading ever just in New York. Ever, ever, ever. Back in, was this February? No. February 10th. February first reader 10th. of the night too? Yep. Or were you second? You were yeah, first? she yeah. opened yeah. the night and fucking killed it. Yeah. Like you it never great. see a first reader read like that. <laughs> we were just like, holy shit, who is this person? <laughs> and I just happened to like, I, you know, I love Mary so much. She was like, hey, my friend Annie and my writing group's really great. I'm going to introduce you. And I was like, yeah, anybody, <laughs> her send her over. I, you know, I love Mary. And so I had, I had, I knew next to nothing about you. Like, other no than one some, knows anything about yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> other than some things I found on the internet. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh, she writes some cool, like, very, like, real and honest things. I like it, you know? Like, whatever she reads is going to be cool. And then you just fucking slayed it. Mm-hmm. it it's um, so funny. I've never ha- had quite this strong of an experience where you were reading the intro to me, and I was like, Mary, this isn't me. Like, I just was so convinced that you were not talking about me. So I was like, oh, that's cute. What, where is this coming from? She's got it wrong. Yeah, we like our little sweet personal <laughs> bios. They're very cute. <laughs> we like to make our writers feel, you know. I, like I mean, because it is. I oh, mean, yeah. it is. You know, we're trying to make a community and everything. And then you just, yeah, you killed it and you brought an entourage. And we were just like, man, you got to get on this podcast with us. Come talk to us. Yeah. And then we stalked you a little bit. The Well, the, the thing that struck me about your writing is that you know, I feel like the people that write the least like you make you the most jealous, you know? Interesting. So, like, I write, like, you, the way you write makes, it's just so clear and honest and from the heart, while it's like, it makes me feel like I'm just writing abstract, turgid bullshit. Hmm. You know what I mean? Interesting. But, okay. yeah, you I would do. probably read your work and be jealous, because I'm like, can <laughs> yeah. I get that abstraction in there? <laughs> Uh, you do knows? cut quite to the <laughs> I wouldn't core. Go that far. And it's and yeah, always exactly, like very exactly. it's very funny, but it's also very vulnerable. And I think that's just that's probably what makes you a really good stand up comedian as well, right? Like that's a, I think that's also mm-hmm. you know, I think so, I don't think anybody can stand up and do stand up. Mm-hmm. I do not think of that at all. No. Just as just as everybody can't write. I, no, I think, I, that's think I would have to be I would have to be on serious drugs. Yeah. Like and I I would do it, but like it's not sustainable, yeah. right? My life would quickly devolve. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny also my vulnerabilities also made me like the, the target of a lot of sadness in my life, but I like maintain that it's gotta be but that's that's where comedy comes from yeah and i I just feel like i gotta keep doing it yeah all comedians are sad sacks yeah you know like that's like writers and comedians are pretty similar i just think that comedians take themselves less seriously which is kind of way more endearing (laughs) in my opinion (laughs) so so are you do you have plans to do some stand-up in new york i would like to figure out like where are the you can't just like roll up to the comedy cellar so like where are the open mics that people are doing Judd and, Apatow can. Um, he did yeah. that he did that last time I was there a couple years ago really he's not I, known yeah. for his stand up yeah it, it was actually really good that's cool I mean, yeah. he's a smart smart guy I don't know if you've seen his uh, Netflix special no was, I haven't was really good but yeah. so yeah what are you what are you trying to do stand up wise oh stand up wise you know I'm just trying to get up there I feel like every time I get up as a success I like yeah. my last night in Durham I was like I'm really gonna do it I think I felt <laughs> Probably felt liberated by the fact that I was going to be driving away tomorrow, but did a set and it was just like, oh, it's so fun. And I, and this is one of the thing about writing too, is that, you know, I have, I have artist friends who are, I have one friend that I can think of who is very just like, I don't give a shit about anyone. I'm just here to make the music. And I'm like, like, good for you. And mm. she wants me to have that feeling, but so much of my either writing or comedy or like even my work that I hope to be pursuing in the next couple months is actually i think more about communicating like communicating so for her i think it's about expression and like letting that expression fly and for Mm -hmm. me i'm like always trying to 
touch like reach with people like yeah you always have your audience in mind i don't know if i always have my audience in mind but i i it makes me so happy to connect with people through writing so like people being like i was sad then i read this and i felt that you knew what that was like and i was like that is the most i mean i'm sure that's the most gratifying thing for any any writer to hear yeah but i am so interested in in making people feel or or like making people feel less alone or making Mm -hmm. people feel more vulnerable and so understood um, it's like she's just like why do you care what people think about your writing i'm like the whole point is that like i want i want to connect with people like i'm just trying to talk to people Mm -hmm. so that's great i mean that's i think why we do yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely like Mm -hmm. that's why we started the reading series and then now the the publishing company 100 percent. yeah you were telling us a little bit about like what what you write and everything and and we started to talk about like mm-hmm. what you felt licensed to write yeah. about can you talk a little yeah. bit about that i feel like let me let me start by giving you the origin story of me as a writer because it was not too long ago i've always been very creative and kind of like taken on projects that end up becoming writing projects but i never was not i was not the kid who was in the corner scrawling in a notebook mm-hmm. i was not bookish I was not in that kind of traditional what we think of as like the writer's origin story Uh and I did the stand-up routine in high school and I was like I could do this and then went to college and I was like I can't do this and then (laughs) because of certain experiences or just like like the comedy scene was a bros club for sure it was like you're not picking up what I'm putting down and like the the lacrosse team is or something like that I will say the the very first time I got up in front of my storytelling class in New York it was like my first week moving here and like even my asides that were funny in California, like became funny again for the first time in six mm, years. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, I'm back with my with your with culture. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> really? Oh, sorry. We're going to throw it Hey, you're back with culture. You know, as born and bred in the South and having put my time in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't say it. You say it. I did say it. I'll say all I see, and this is terrible, all I see when I think of Duke is like a long sleeve crew neck, like you know, po- like polo shirt yeah, with like yeah, the yeah. blue and white stripes. You're like right, you know, that's, that's yeah. like that's, all I envision. Yeah, but like some weird also, yacht club in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah. and also yeah. Coach K's like moly face. Yeah, just and like, like, just what? like guys, stop basketball. Not a big deal. Like, let's, <laughs> I just don't understand. Oh my oh, god! Oh, don't say to this one. Yeah, actually, I love sports, but that's like that's like it, it, I can really relate to you on like when you were talking about how you don't have the typical bookish writer origin mm-hmm. story. I'm the same way. Yeah, I was like a jock in high school. Right, me too. And like the th- like I kind of lived in two those two worlds because I felt kind of weird, but at the same time, like I was a part of it. And, yeah, you know, and but I always had like a. I always felt a little bit like like I was bestriding totally. the line. You yeah, know I, mean? I was a jock, but I was also in photography class. Like, uh-huh. what'd uh, you play? Taking picture. What? What'd you play? Soccer. Oh, <laughs> oh, soccer. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just guessing. for a second. I thought I like what photography did I play? And I was like, I don't know. I did played we, soccer and tennis. So, did we say that on the air that you had broken your leg? Before? Yeah. yeah. Yes. That yeah. was on the okay. Yeah. Oh, God, it was I on the to, air. It's I'm, I'm a ha- I've had a ha- half a glass of wine. So uh, it's, it's okay. But I like was in my part-time in my the photo lab taking pictures of like truly taking pictures of, of barbie dolls hanging by ropes and people were oh like oh my god i love this like you were like i was such a jock who was just like this not i wasn't like loud and jovial i was people but i was just like that jock character and then i was in the photo fo- in the dark room being like manipulating i would have had so such a crush on you <laughs> in high school <laughs> thank you for saying that yeah you're like my emo teenage dream <laughs> yeah. like cut off barbie doll heads and yeah. hang them from my 
Katie, I just went back to uh, a collage of episodes that we just put out as one episode oh, from cool. Arkansas. Cool. We talked to Gangy on one of them. And, My grandmother. And oh. the night before... She showed me like all the dollhouses they made and stuff like that. It was so great. And like they they were they used to be like hooked up with lights and stuff, right? Uh, that was like, my little my Morty Mouse. Yeah. Oh, she's getting he's, so embarrassed. He's, he's, <laughs> he's my little wooden mouse that my grandmother made. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Brian reads. I I have all my journals. Yeah. From like I've been writing in journals since I was like six years old, and I have them all in a trunk in there. And I have my high school one out because I bring it in with my high schoolers. I teach because they they find it infinitely oh, funny. Cool. And Brian, when he's sad, will read it when I'm not here because it makes him feel better. Oh, I, I've done that like once. Yeah. It made him feel better when he was it depressed did. one day. Really, yeah, it was really <laughs> Don't sad. you love to hear that? You're like, you're, uh, I'm like, great. <laughs> my teenage, like, scrawlings made you feel better. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but basically, like, I didn't think of it as a, a st- distinctly, like, either that I was going to be a professional creative or that I was going to write. And I took one, like, a composing class that I think they teach you to get you good at, like, mm-hmm. essay um, application writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how to write a personal essay. And I loved this story I wrote about my mom about how much she loved to make snack baskets and how, like, it was a lot. Elaborate. And so mm-hmm. it was in our like high school literary mag and I was and everyone's like, this was fun. I was like, I just had a fun time doing it. So I didn't think about it. But got to college, wanted to write comedy television in the vein of Tina Fey just because like Yeah, because she, who doesn't? she spoke yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> kind of that like I'm a loser outsider, but like still cool kind of thing. Uh-huh. And then I was like, No, I can't do this. This is like either too selfish or I'm not really sure what was happening, but I never pursued writing in that way. And I Every time you take a college writing class too, it's just like so soul crushing to like, I don't know, something, I don't think I would have enjoyed any college, like Duke writing class mm-hmm. or like writing major. And yeah, cause, and so obviously you never got an MFA. Yeah, I never did that. Didn't uh-huh. know, I never got an MFA. And then, yeah, I didn't love when people kind of went all in on those things. Cause I was just like, I'm only moderately either talented or like, I still want to live a lot. I don't know. It was just something about an environment where expertise is really valued that I was like, I don't want to be an expert in anything. Like I just like want to do stuff and then express myself maybe. Went back to grad school, weird choice to go back to Duke, but I did and- Really? Wow. Yeah, after a year off in San Francisco, I had the best spring of my life. Whoa, and then that's so strange. And then I and went then back went and back. I was like, no bad idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was like stark. And did I you actually- finish? Did I finish my master's? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. What was it in? Public policy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Yeah. So more related to the job I'm hoping to mm-hmm. start coming up in the next month at the Trevor Project. Good. You said it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's in limbo right now, but I'm. But yeah, I should yeah. be starting that. It's soon. not definite. Don't put a comment. It is. It, it is. It is definite that I have the the offer. It's, it's definite. Not definite. Who knows? Um, yeah. It might be definite. Yeah. What is definite? What is definite? <laughs> yeah. That's exciting though. Um, Trevor Project's awesome. Yeah. Like I knew I kind of wanted to straddle this like I want to do something good in the world. And I was sitting at at a lunch my like last week of senior year of college with my mentor and he was like, why do you carry a notebook around? And I was just like, what are you talking about? Don't, don't at me with my writing tendencies. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to grad school, had lunch with him again. And he was just like, are you going to like, are you going to start owning this identity as a writer or what? And I was just like, oh, like. I oh. love that. Yeah, and he started giving me books and wrote me notes that were like, lift your voice, like, we got to do it. And so I started off slow. This is about a year and a half ago. My official writing career began, and he, like, was very encouraging, and I the first piece I was like, this is the best thing I'll ever write because it was the first thing I ever wrote. And then he was like, it's not. Like, you need to work on it, but (laughs) it's a good start. (laughs) And then my writing has gotten so much better just because I started – journaling every night um, mm-hmm. and just getting those reps in and, and getting the words down and 
I don't know. I have a lot to say about journaling and how good it is for you. Same. Yes. That's basically what I teach in my creative writing classes. So important. And then to answer your question that you asked in the first place was basically that I kind of came at this like, well, I should write because I have experience as a gay person and I didn't hear those experiences as a gay when I was before I came out. So I better start doing it. I better start sharing my my ideas here that definitely I know most people like 90% of the population won't have just by virtue of the fact that like 90% of the population is is not... (laughs) lesbians <laughs> so 90 percent of the population is not lesbians that's, that sounds right that sounds like a I'm title gonna, of this episode i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna say that's that's in the that's in the census we're, yeah. we're googling it right now <laughs> yeah well we were talking about fluidity so i was like well i can't say that 90 percent of the population is straight because that just can't be right so I decided to, to be more specific but and so i wrote a couple pieces about like me not realizing that I had lost my virginity when I did because I had never had penetrative sex. Sorry, mom. It's that I said sex. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know to apologize. Is she going to listen to this? <laughs> no, she and is she going to get upset? No, but then it sounded like I was saying sorry that I didn't fulfill my duty to have penetrative sex. What oh, I meant was I'm sorry that I said sex on the <laughs> podcast. Sex, 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 sex. Sex and sex. <laughs> but just that realization like I didn't, I didn't know enough about my body or about female pleasure and like all of a sudden someone's like no we, we've been having sex this whole time and I was like oh my bad and that's crazy oh yeah <laughs> totally so what did you expect sex to be with another woman if you expected it you just didn't know you oh, just don't know ugh, it's just this is this is racy but no um, that's that's great that's why we're here this we, is the love juicy stuff. We, have, we have a we have the parental it was advisory actually sticker. Like Not safe for work. The no. first time that we did oral sex, I was mm-hmm. like, "So that was." And you did. So that was the big moment, and she was like, "No, we what? We've been, <laughs> we've been having sex for months." So, so before that, it was just like hands. And sure, stuff, get right? the hands in there. But it's still, but yeah, still, yeah, yeah. Get yeah. the hands. Get in the hands. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't think get of it as like, there. oh, because I'm experiencing like this large degree of pleasure. It's a sexual experience uh-huh. but that is what sex is so yeah yeah <laughs> there's a lot to learn so anyway i was started off writing about that and being like i have a license to write about this because i know that so many people are not talking about it which is why this piece which is about my mom and my grandpa and my family i did sneak some some gender and sexuality in there which i couldn't help but it felt a lot scarier because i was like who am i to write a sentimental piece about my mom and, and my dying grandfather basically uh-huh. yeah like what what gives me the right to do that when everyone has? I don't know. It's like the exact opposite reason of how you should, like, it's the exact opposite approach that you should have to writing, which is where I was, like, putting pressure on myself to write an authoritative document about queerness and thought that was okay. But then when it was, like, try writing about this, feel like, a very familiar relationship that you have, I was like, I don't know. That sounds, I think it's my perfectionism in me, which is that if I'm going to write about something that most people have experienced, aka having moms and Mm -hmm. having grandfathers, I better do it really, really well. So that was, it's not a healthy attitude to have, but Mm -hmm. I was like, if you're going to do something like that, it's going to be the best ever essay about moms, which is like ridiculous because we have so many great stories about moms out there. Interesting. I had expected you to say you were just nervous about what your mom was going to think. I am Which, still nervous about that. Yeah, sure, but Has it sounds like... Has she read like... your writing? She's read my writing. Um, no. <laughs> oh, she's not. Oh, she's read one essay that I've written. Yeah, my parents, like, my whole family's just like, we don't really know what she does, <laughs> like, in New York. And Fair enough, same. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> um, and so I'm nervous only... Like, I do think that I tried to make this a love letter to my mom, basically, but 
I think that she, like myself, maybe has a, a tendency to focus on the negative. So like she's just gonna hear, mm. I have resents, resents. Resent. Wow. <laughs> so she ha- she hasn't read this piece. No. I'll tell you. It's not published anywhere yet, no. right? No, she's still working on it. It will be. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I have an essay about my time in psychoanalysis. Yeah. And my parents are both deaf, and it was tough. Like you know, it's been out for a couple of years now, but yeah. It was the same thing. It was supposed. It, a lot of it is supposed to be about like how like like repairing my relationship with my mom and how much better it's gotten and all that stuff. Right. And then fairly recently, it was it was difficult. We had to, to talk about the piece. We had to talk about it a little bit because she she heard some comments from friends and stuff like that. Oh. Got really upset and and it's unfortunate that people have to be so shitty sometimes yeah. and they focus on the negative and it gets right. other people it to focus really on the negative. It was really people who weren't focusing on what the piece was actually yeah. saying but they were focusing on the gossip of the piece. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, yeah. Or, right. or the yeah, the buzzy like the buzzy mm-hmm. negative stuff and mm-hmm. like yeah, no, I know exactly how that feels. It's, right. it's really tough. No, if they were to actually like critically read the piece they'd be like oh, this is actually beautiful and he's connecting with his mother in a really beautiful right. way and like really thinks about their relationship in probably ways that like people wish their mm-hmm. children actually <laughs> thought about them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it comes down to the fact that everyone everyone has dark aspects to their relationships even the even the best of them so right. like mm-hmm. it's just whether you want to say it out loud or not right. and i don't have a problem with doing that and other people seem very very ready to take advantage of that you know yeah and i definitely like never ever want to i try really hard in my writing to always like make myself the <laughs> the, the biggest demon in the in the <sighs> writing like i really the villain like i'm i'm the villain in most <laughs> of my writing just because like I want to be a, very honest about how I've misunderstood well, things. Let's just call, mm. let's at least say the anti-hero. I'm the anti-hero, yeah. It's fun I, being the anti-hero. Yeah. yeah. But I don't, I really, I have a very hard time writing from a place of like, I need to call this person out or anything like that. So a lot of this is like my misunderstanding of my mom and like overcoming that basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's very like both noble and vulnerable, but I also have this question, like I, I have been really struggling this with myself. I've written an entire novel that Brian actually just recently edited and read and that I'm sitting on for a while before I go back to you that deals with a lot of, it's got a lot of autofiction in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's primarily fiction, but there are a lot of like elements of truth into it. And it's been a lot of me exploring that relationship with my parents that was particularly bad growing up right and so I mean I struggle with that question a lot and I think that's a huge question in just like the literary community in general is like what do you have the license to write about and and like I know that typically that that phrase comes around like writing in a, from an identity that's not yours right. Which, you know, has a, its its own, you know, pros and cons for a lot of reasons. But I think that's a really interesting question of you're just thinking about, like, actually people you're really close to, like your mother. And so what do you have license to write about? And I don't know, I guess, what do you think about that? What do you both think about Ugh. that? And, and also, and just j- that and, like, the idea of you feel like you have license to write about queerness because you are queer. How do you feel if someone who isn't queer writes about that? Or even if it's like in fiction, which actually I did in, in, my, yeah. in my novel coming out. Like I, I don't know if I'd say Julia is queer, but she definitely starts a relationship with another like, you know, young woman. And so she's interested. I don't yeah. know what I, I don't know what I'd ad- identify her as, but like, I'm straight, I'm a man. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, I guess it's all about how you do it is what you said earlier. Uh, yeah, and like, yeah. and I, I definitely not, the, like, I have not thought about the fiction component of what you're asking right now, but license to write about my mom, I, 
I feel like she's like one of the only people in my ooh, getting on tough territory here. But like <laughs> because I love her so much and we actually have such a great relationship, I actually feel better about writing about it because mm-hmm. I know that it comes from a place of me trying really, really hard to honor her. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of people that I feel like I don't want to go down that road in, t- in case it becomes something that's like not honoring and it's more of a ragging on them kind of thing. Whereas mm-hmm. like my mom, I just have so much respect for her and so much love for her. And I'm actually like so sad that I that I have these moments of like, mom, like why you do that? And it's not her fault and it's just, and moms do that to us. So I, I feel like I feel more comfortable with her more so than other people that I'm close to just because I... I know that it comes from a place of like mm-hmm. of huge respect for her. I really admire people who write about people who are close to them and those people who don't get upset but actually see the like value and the amount of like work and thought. If somebody wrote about me and even if they wrote about like maybe really hard parts of our relationship or fuck Brian you've written about me and like things that we've gone through like even on your blog and stuff like Mm. that and like I never read it and got upset or offended I was like oh no I haven't published that takedown essay (laughs) yeah yeah, it's coming out in you know the rumpus or something Perez Hilton Perez Hilton (laughs) Brian Birnbaum which which host of the (laughs) (laughs) I would love that but no you've written about some vulnerable vulnerable like conversations and stuff yeah. that we have had in our yeah. blog and I have never the first like, one that comes up is uh we had a discussion about Brett Kavanaugh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh here yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that and you wrote about that and uh-huh. I never like it was a tense moment for us because we had a disagreement on it I mean obviously like just, we basically we, well we basically agreed it we, we oh, got we, we got the same yeah, let's get yeah. that out there. <laughs> no I'm sorry I'm sorry yeah. um, Brian is not it wasn't it wasn't Brett it wasn't Kavanaugh. I wanted Kavanaugh to be you know <laughs> no. nominated or you no, know no, no. like it wasn't yeah that. let's it was, clarify it was, that it was a lot more it was a lot more nuanced than that yeah. no it was just more about like call out culture and yeah. things yeah, like that yeah exactly and, like, I was I was kind of more on the side of just like I really don't I don't like the whole pageantry and charading of like you know of just getting like mass public opinion I just think it makes everything worse and like I'm not ready to just like call everything as I see it without like you know whatever I just think like it's more important to focus on what we can change that's all you know and at the same side as like someone who has been sexually assaulted myself and like watching that and and and, like talking about yeah so we had this whole conversation anyway like yeah just it was it was a whole lot anyway brian wrote about in his blog and like he gives it to me to edit and like i'm just reading through that and like i didn't even think twice about it i was just like yeah actually no like you're really thinking about our conversation and you went really in depth and even though i was hurt in the moment because i felt misunderstood i see here where you're really actually trying Right. to explore what happened and I, I am like I maybe I'm sensitive to what my mom would think about this because I'm like I have a tendency to focus on the negative mm. so like I might be worried about the fact that I raised someone and all they remembered was that I made them go to yacht club party like mm-hmm. I, I that's what that's essentially what happened of, of, of like a couple of weeks ago with my mom like right like you know just because of what some other people said, it just like put her in that place. And it was really distressing for me because right. I was like, oh my God, like I really worked my ass off on this essay and like no one else is reading it like that. Like no right. one's coming away from this essay except for some reason, like some of her, I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was strange. Yeah. It was strange. 
But yeah. One person. One, yeah. One person. I, well, there were, my mom said there was like another friend who like made a comment or something. Mm. And you know, yeah. it, like, you know, when you're the center of it, like obviously like certain things can tip you in a way that that's not, maybe not even how they meant it or something. Right. I'm, I wasn't there. No, I, I just, I remember getting, I just remember getting like all these texts and like, it was yeah. like, oh my God, like it's <laughs> what's hard. going on? <laughs> yeah. And I also am trying like the more... <laughs> I'm in therapy, obviously, and we're all in therapy. The more I try really hard to like allow imperfection in myself, the more I can allow it in other people. It's just mm. this whole thing where I, mm-hmm. the more like I, I can let my mom go on these things because I'm like, oh, but like people can't be perfect, and the more mm-hmm. I'm letting myself be imperfect, the more I'm, or like I guess that actually the reverse is more true, where it was like. I had was sometimes holding people up to a perfection standard, but I think it's because it came from a place of like I need to be perfect, and mm-hmm. so like that's why I think it's a standard. And so the more I can kind of like uh, let that go, mm-hmm. the more I just feel like I can let people be flawed. And so, I, s- I can relate to that like one hundred and twenty percent. So I'm hoping one day I could read an essay about myself if someone should. Yeah, if, uh, I'm available for subject matter. If you get if you get famous <laughs> enough, you can just write it about yourself, right. you know, in, um, in Kanye style yeah. or something. <laughs> well, we've been talking about it so much. Should I? Should we? Do, are we should I read yet? it? What what are, what are we at right now? We're at forty five minutes. Forty five. Yeah, time. let's do it's it. Time. Then we can we can talk a little bit more after that too. It's yeah. time. Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm just gonna intro it. Sure. Yeah. You're gonna read your essay, which has not been published. No, and is it's not it, done. Is it well it's not finished. Do you imagine it being part of a larger work? I have to be completely honest. I have no idea. Brian, you said afterwards you're like, it's gonna get published and I was like, I hadn't even thought about it. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's the way to go. Yeah, it's part of the the actual essay is is twice as long as this and it has a lot more of like talking about place and talking about politics a little bit and talking about the irony of like this town is a conservative town and and Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. irony of me liking it so much as a kid and like then talking about class a little bit it actually is a little bit too wordy i would say so i if i'm being completely honest you two as my witness like i would love to write a memoir like like this longer and just keep on going with it but i like how dare I? <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's horseshit. Like yeah. we've already heard in the forty five minutes that we've been with you on this podcast, enough for a memoir, like, <laughs> like more than enough. Just and and from what little I know about you, I and like from the the amount that I know about this piece and what you're about to read, like yeah, it's it's a memoir I in think, the making. I, I think the word memoir has started to take on this largeness. Where is like, I don't even know, like, it's almost like at this point we should just stop calling it maybe that for young people or I, something yeah. where it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to write this thing about my life but, because a memoir, it, like it does, it has this connotation where it's like, oh, I'm old and wizened totally. and like, I, you know, and I, and now I have all of this sageness that I'm just going to spill What's out on the pages. What's a nonfiction you know? equivalent to like a novella? Ooh, it's a really good essay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't but know. a novella is Collection way of longer. essays. Yeah. I don't know because a memoir can be short too. Mm-hmm. I just think it's like it's almost like we need another word. I'd love so- to write a series of short memoirs. That'd be really fun. <laughs> yeah. Short memoirs. Yeah. Short like memoirs. Like yeah, ninety-page memoirs. That'd be really exciting. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know some publishers. <laughs> Clearly, um, you guys will be my first call. You heard it here. Uh-oh. There's a lot of looks being yeah, exchanged at the table right now. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a little conversation with you after this. Um, <laughs> but before, yeah, I just think that like some people do it for the art, like Mary Carr does it because that's her art form. Mm-hmm. Like people equate memoir with the tell all or the, yeah, like I yeah. had an experience and let me tell you about it. But some like 
some people want to write in that way and just like or David yeah. Sedaris is kind of a memoirist like he's an essayist mm-hmm. but he's a memoirist in a way it's like you have to justify it for yeah some it, which reason. sucks which is like yeah, yeah I, I that's why I almost think there needs to be another word but yeah totally I think there should be too yeah yeah oh well but yeah so do you have a do you have a title for this yet or is it a there's a title it's called apple cider donuts oh yeah that's, that's right, right. Yeah, I, I remember that. I didn't know if there was, if that was just going to be the title cuz like you did come back to it in this yeah but like it's I didn't know if it was somewhere. just yeah yeah and it's called that because I every well you'll find out but mm-hmm. like every time I had an apple cider donut this last couple years I'd be like this reminds me of this story and so I would go into this whole thing and that's why it's called that it's like an it's like an inside joke yeah I can read it just say the word. Yeah, let's Go do for it. it. Let's do okay. it. Okay. <clears throat> Home was not a place for burping. In Marin County, California, a suburb of San Francisco, the mere suggestion of impolite bodily noises was met with scorn. During the year, I attended a private K-8 through school with an immaculate exterior, painted white and lined with navy. The school was so pristine that even its attendees appeared to be part of the design scheme. As we walked in two evenly spaced parallel lines from one class to the next... Our white-collared shirts tucked in, our hands behind our backs, and our socks never, ever falling below our ankles. The weekends offered me no respite. My parents' social calendar kept my older sister and me busy at yacht club functions and dinner parties. We took elaborate vacations to European cities where we would get dressed up and dine in the world's best restaurants. My innocence spoiled too early when my mom would give the American translation for escargot one bite too late. It was on these trips that I have the earliest memories of disgruntlement. Even dressed in complimentary patterns, I found a way to ruin almost every family photo with a grimace and an expression I hoped would convey that I was dead inside. <laughs> I longed to be back in my preferred vacation spot at Nonium Pops in Summers, Connecticut, accompanying Pop as he ran errands that seemed exotic to me, like going to the dump and getting lost in his elaborate stories. Driving around in a hunter green truck, listening to a Patsy Cline compilation tape, the two of us would warble about our heartache and our man's cheating heart, getting nearly drunk <laughs> on our bottles of sarsaparilla soda. A real man's man, he bought me my first Swiss Army pocket knife and spent the afternoon in his garage, etching my initials into it. He could pass hours out at his bench, smoking pipe tobacco, making all sorts of things with nothing but his tools. When he made four matching coat racks, heights corresponding to the heights of my older sister, my two younger cousins, and me, I believed I'd never again know such luxury. During one of my many summer breaks spent there, I stared wistfully at cattle farms and cornfields and told my mother that I wanted to live in a town just like summers when I was older. Tight-lipped, she refused to encourage my statement, but was unwilling to spoil my fantasy too soon. My mom grew up in this tiny town, where women took home economics and men took shop. She had a big personality, so big as to be somewhat indecent. Though she couldn't sing a note on key, she harbored a deep resentment when she wasn't chosen for the school's Christmas choir, heartbroken that she wouldn't have her opportunity to shine in front of her classmates. She was like an artist without a medium, unable to help the fact that her charisma made her the center of attention. She received multiple detentions for disturbing classes just by asking the wrong questions or making ill-timed jokes. On some occasions, it was nothing more than the way she carried herself. She was nearly suspended when she addressed the teacher by her first name, Judy. Juday. Juday, Juday, she exclaimed with accompanying finger guns. Whether her punishment came because she violated a more literal code of conduct by using a teacher's first name or because her outburst had too much rhythm is anyone's guess. Had she stayed in Summers, her future in town would have closely followed the script of some 1950s magazine advertisement. A never-ending cycle of going to work at Friendly's as a Sunday specialist and going home to her unair-conditioned room, crying into her red shag carpet about a college boyfriend that cheated on her. Until eventually she would marry, move out of her parents' house, and into her husband's. Somewhere around the age of 22 or 23, she packed up and left with no intention of returning. Her parents made it clear they would offer her no support, financial or emotional. Their prediction was that she would be back within six months. 
They were betting against her. She borrowed $600 from her cousin and aimed for California without a job or a place to live. San Francisco would have been the perfect place for her. One where she walked crisp city streets with oversized sunglasses and where no one would bat an eye at someone feeling eccentric enough to wear a beret and an ascot. My mom must have looked at the Golden Gate Bridge and seen a gateway to her very destiny. I saw it and thought a little bit about death. That's not so surprising considering the iconography of the landmark, but as a teenager I wondered how much thinking was too much. It's not that I was necessarily suicidal, but I was pretty sure that few of my classmates had to reassure themselves that they weren't. I went from being a grimacing adolescent to a grimacing teenager. I sulked, I despaired, I briefly starved myself. I would experience bouts of inescapable discomfort with my life. Playing soccer was almost the only thing that brought me any joy. I wasn't a strong player, and yet I felt there was nothing else I was meant to do in this universe. Soccer season meant grass stains, mud, shorts, and a team-wide loyalty to men's deodorant, even from the pretty girls. At my parents' social events, which I was somehow expected to attend showered and dressed, I felt that I was watching my life from the fourth wall, an outsider who belonged anywhere but in that living room with groups of parents getting drunk enough to begin a sing-along. I wondered if anyone cared that it was a school night for me. All of my life, there seemed to be a social code I couldn't crack, and with the same rigor of a finishing school curriculum presenting all 25 levels of English peerage, my mom tried to teach me to keep track of divorces, facelifts, and civil forfeitures, but I couldn't understand this world. After my first week of college, I realized that at least part of my misunderstanding had to do with the fact that I was and had all this time been gay. Things clicked into place. My sulking, my misery, my inability to understand my mother's wardrobe requirements, all mostly explained by my repressed sexuality. And then I fell in love. And while I'd always thought of myself as emotionally blunt, snide, sarcastic, and frankly mean, falling in love made me permanently soft. The fall of my junior year, Pop was dying. He hadn't really been well for years, and as a man already prone to watching five hours of westerns on television, he slowly became both couch-ridden and couch-like, sagging in his cheeks, his ears, his lower eyelids. He was barely recognizable to us and we to him. That same fall, I had secretly begun dating my first girlfriend. I felt the weight of this secret as it marked a severe departure from my parents' plans for me. But then again, college-aged kids start keeping all sorts of secrets from their parents. Bad grades, binges, assaults, depressions, girlfriends. It's an awkward time for the impious. When my mom called one morning to, on her way to visit Pop, she wondered if I would like to join her, and suddenly, surprisingly, I heard myself saying yes. I was living a secret life, an entire love story unfolding unbeknownst to my mom, and yet, while there was still a huge gulf between us, I at least I had a better understanding of what made me so different. If we were going to build a bridge, then at least I knew where we were going to begin building. It had been years since the garage was filled with pipe tobacco. Still, it was jarring to drive up that front way and know that my grandfather wasn't inside, was instead at a hospital down the road. I was advised not to visit him because he didn't recognize anyone and said nasty things to people helping me, helping him. I decided to go anyway, mostly for my mom's benefit, but also thinking that he might like to know I cared. The moment I walked in the room, he looked straight at me and smiled however widely he could, and with full recognition asked, what are you doing here? I wasn't expecting that. His sudden brightness upended plans I had to stay cool. How do you bury someone who suddenly comes to life? I told him or tried to through tears that I was there to bust him out. My motorcycle was parked out front and we were going to drive away together. He was a man who loved tall tales and it seemed to be the only fitting explanation I could give him. And just as I started to believe it myself, the room returned to its reality. In his hospital bed, Pop looked deflated. He had needed to lose weight, but it appeared as if someone had just scooped half of him away, a couch without cushions. He was thirsty, begging for water. The nurse gave him a wet sponge to suck on. It suddenly seemed important to leave at once. I hugged him and choked out my goodbye, hating what that word meant under such circumstances. 
My mom and I shared her childhood bedroom that weekend in Connecticut. I had my own twin bed in the room across the hall, but it was nice to share this piece of her. Also, Martha the doll sat right outside my room with her beady eyes never blinking. With all the death in the air, I preferred not to walk past her on the way to the bathroom. On my mom's bed, we leafed through her yearbook. And there she was with her big hair and fake tan, looking beloved even in photographs, if that can be possible. Somewhere near the back of the book, a note was scrawled around a senior's headshot. The note from Rita, who bore a strong resemblance to Dorothy from the Golden Girls, started, Don, you dear thing, you. Oh, Rita, my mom sighed. She used to pick me up on her scooter. We would ride around town all night. We had a hoot. <laughs> and then these words. Oh, I love that big old lesbian. And as a child, I had never met a lesbian. I assumed that my mom hadn't either. At best, my town had a beloved gay hairdresser, Christopher, but everyone knows that's different. I've never owned a hairdryer in my life. My mother was a socialite, world's most gracious host, timeless style, knows exact purpose of each wine glass she owns. I was a tomboy, t-ball champion, tree climber, obsessed with construction. The conflict that occurred between us over my wardrobe, my etiquette, and my demeanor was like a constant silent brooding. The subtext was that she was just waiting for me to grow up, to be finally be the daughter she's been shopping for her whole life. She escaped a world where womanhood was synonymous with being meek and subservient, and entered a world where she could live in full color. And when she first arrived in San Francisco, one of her three jobs she took in exchange for clothes. She carried herself through the city, broke but well-dressed. Quick in her wake was the shadow of summers. Kids who lived there for life, parents who believed she would fail. The clothing, the niceties, these were her armor, and she was just trying to protect me. But on her bed, looking through a class of 78 yearbook, I saw her briefly as others do. Warm, a friend to all, open-minded, and non-judgmental. I had worried about coming out to her, but hearing that she rode on the back of Rita's scooter, presumably with her arms tightly wrapped around a lesbian, I knew that she was the kind of person who could parent her gay child. We spent the weekend together in her New England town, doing things I always thought were myths of a time gone by. As it turns out, corn mazes are very much a community event. We stopped at an apple farm, which had an apple souvenir shop at run out of a barn, and we found the one dozen apple cider donuts. And while we barreled through all 12 donuts, I looked at her like there was no better delicacy in all the world, and she looked back at me like she'd always meant to tell me so. That weekend, I caught a glimpse of the girl pointing finger guns and getting in trouble, who was trying to make her way in the world just like I was. My grandpa died, as grandparents do. A week after the funeral, I went home for Thanksgiving. On Wednesday, I came out to my family, and only my sister was surprised. <laughs> On Thursday, we went to a very typical Marin County Thanksgiving dinner party, but for the first time, I felt like I was in cahoots with my family. We now shared a secret. And when we got home, my mom and I were in her bathroom. She flitted gruffly about until she just stopped and burst into tears. I scooped her up into my arms like there was no gulf between us at all. I miss my dad, she cried. Her father hadn't really been himself for years, so missing him in that moment didn't make much sense, but death evades logic, and dead parents makes daughters out of all of us. Mm. Some connections need a time machine and a moped scooter because she still doesn't fully understand me as a human. There are times that I come home and my mom has three new dresses she would like me to try on. As I step out of my room in a button-down flannel instead, I see her look me up and down before deciding whether it's too late to instill crucial life lessons in me. <laughs> She'll propose from time to time that I could be the kind of lesbian who wears a skirt, you know. And there's no amount of explanation that I could give that would convince her that skirts go against every fiber of my being, lesbian or not. The universe hands us oddly wrapped gifts. It was precisely in the context of a sad hospital visit that I shared one of the best weekends I've ever spent with my mom. And if I were my mother's classmate, I probably would have called her dear thing. 30 years earlier, she might have even been my friend. Our only real problem was that I was her daughter and she was my mother. And we are, to this day, two people who dared to dream of an elsewhere far from home. 
Damn. Wow. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I it's, can't believe it's not finished. I don't know. It that it's it's funny because that part feels so self-contained. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, like I'm I'm sure I'm sure there's just so much else like you have to say. There that, there know? is, but I will say the exercise of like I have ten minutes to do this. I need to cut out what's not necessary. Was really really the, the first good. time I ever read. I was like, oh shit. So much of what I write is bullshit. Yeah. And I <laughs> so so wait, you cut out things for the reading? Yeah, this is half as long as as Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So we've actually never heard the full No, thing. no one has. I'd love to and, read and, it. But Mary so you, has. So you kept you kept that stuff for the real es- for the essay? Yeah, it's I mean, for like the essay, it lives in my computer. I don't know. Yeah. 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 But I will say like this is a f- is a fun version of it's it. It's very yeah, it's yeah. very tight, you know. And it's, that's yeah, why it's yeah. it was just fun to read and it focuses in on my mom a lot which i love about it Mm -hmm. so i don't know now i'm like i'm i don't want to kill my babies like no one does but i'm I'm also i just spent i just spent a a good month doing that yeah (laughs) i would be if this was how it looked i would be okay with it i feel like a lot of it is ideas that i have that i can explore at any time well i think it's a really good idea if you want to turn this into something longer i think those ideas can definitely be there it's like it could either go shorter or longer (laughs) yeah well it's one of those things where if you wanted you could always publish this as like a like an essay like standalone and then like you can write it like write that longer thing but one of the one of my favorite aspects especially like like hearing it the second time is how you give whether your mom feels this or not, like, or subconsciously, or, you know, if, if it's, like, above the threshold of her awareness. <laughs> like, the fact that you give her this, like, analog to your experience. Oh, I was a woman who was too outspoken for my New England town. And then, so you have this other experience where I'm I am a woman who's too tomboyish and, like, androgynous, whatever you want to call yeah. it, for, for her taste, you know. But yeah. it's the same thing. Her parents... But, like, uh, clearly it seems like she was way more understanding, but maybe it's because she went through that experience. And can know? I just say, my grandma was way too outspoken for her oh, really? family. Yeah, yeah. so it just goes back in my lineage. Uh-huh. It's just unbelievable. Everyone has – there's just, like, a little resistance there. But it's, yeah. not like, it's not like animosity. It's, like, more – no, just, like, you know, you just, you have an idea of who your daughter is going to be. In, you right. Know. My great grandparents were, did not want her to go to college, but they wanted her brother to go to college. So she wow. paid for herself to go to college and was in the first graduating class at Springfield College or something. And what did your grandparents feel? Great, uh, my great grandparents. Your, oh, your, your great. So that, this is my grandma being like, I'm oh, going to go right. to college. Wow. And they're like, no, you're not. And she's ah. like, I am. And so she did that and worked her whole life. My mom, they were like, you gotta, you can't go to culinary school. You can't. And she was mm-hmm. like, I'm moving to California. And they're like, no, you're not. And she did. So like in that way, my parents are very supportive. They're like, go to New York. You got it. But it's we're still learning how to talk about gender and stuff like mm. that. I'm going to wear a tie for a wedding. And I was like, she, my mom was like, it's so hot for a tie. And I was like, what, what do men <laughs> what do? Does, what, what does she really mean yeah, when it's so yeah, hot? Yeah. I, was like, I was like, what do men do at weddings? And she was like, well, you're not a man. And I was like, mom? Oh, my like, God. Just my like, mom does the same thing. Yeah. She does like... She like, you know, she says the thing like, no, well, this is why you shouldn't yeah. do it. It's like, no, 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 you're telling me because you don't want me to wear a tie. Right. Like, yeah. that's why you're really telling me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we still navigate that a lot. I think that the, um, she's like, she's all good with the lesbian thing. It's like, I think it's the gender thing that she is mm-hmm. trying to wrap her mm-hmm. head around, mm-hmm. um, which I, she's doing her best. Is that mm-hmm. why, I mean, like, you know, we asked you before the podcast, what per personal pronouns yeah. that you prefer. Yeah, that, that's the first thing I thought she, of, yeah, right. Yeah, you said she, hers, and so is that why you still identify, or are you... No, I think I do strongly identify as a woman, mm-hmm. and, like, I'm very, very proud to be a woman, and I'm, I'm happy to be a woman. Mm-hmm. It is really interesting. I just went in for a suit fitting, first time wearing 
wearing a suit coming up and they used they pronouns and I was like, oh. I didn't want to be like, oh no, no, I, I don't use that. So I didn't correct them. Interesting. And I should have because like we should all be mm-hmm. advocating for our, the pronouns we prefer. But but that's also kind of cool of them. It, like, cause, because, oh, yeah. because it's not wrong. It's, it, it's just saying and we I'm not attributing, about... I'm not ascribing like a particular thing to you. And, you and like, because we were talking about what my style was, he was like, you're into this androgynous athletic cut and look. And I'm uh-huh. like, that's it. Like, huh. yes. And so I think that he... You like, guys are good. Uh, yeah. um, I think that he kind of honed in <laughs> yeah. on that. We're doing, we're doing finger guns. We're doing guns. finger guns. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't think I identify with, with gender neutral pronouns. I definitely mm-hmm. identify as a, as a woman and I feel so much affinity for being a woman. But I do, I'm like just this year starting to like really embrace like the more masculine sides of me mm-hmm. as like great in in general, I, I agree kind of with what they did is using a default day sure. when you mm-hmm. when you don't know when you yeah. haven't asked. Right? Yeah, um, I, th- I think that's the right move. Yeah, I was even in I was in a fucking long youth mental health PD today that was like eight hours long and it was like mental health one hundred and one. I was like, why am I here? But they they were still using even in like as noble as what they were trying to do. They were still using on their like slideshow the the s slash he right and i was like you could just say they yeah and mm-hmm. it would be fine like and it would encompass everyone totally. and like like what you're trying to do and so like i actually like i have now used they as a default just in general and it subsumes they, everyone yeah. they yeah. inherently subsumes everyone yeah. and know? it's so it's so interesting this is like maybe a bit of an aside to that the ways that like i was like i'm gonna put on a suit and i'm gonna get like i'm gonna wear the suit but i totally in my head was like i am resigning myself to unfuckability like I am resigning mm. myself to not being attractive because... Is I'm, that because of this wedding or just in general that's what you want? No, I think that like I've always hated wearing dresses and so like, but I never, I always felt like when the time required it that that I could never not mm-hmm. wear a dress. Mm-hmm. And so that must be very uncomfortable for you. Yeah, well, I, it's like nice to dress up, but like sometimes when but I'm wearing... wearing a suit's dressing up. Yeah, and so know? when I'm wearing things that are like more embracing of that like you can tell that my swagger is changing i'm like feeling are hot. i'm feeling yeah. myself a little bit uh-huh. but it was so funny because i was like no i definitely like i'm just resigning myself to being that eccentric person who wears the suit and like focuses on her writing and her career or whatever and then i am dating someone who is like no suits are so hot and i was just like what yeah. like what like yeah. my mind was blown that like all these rules it's that i'm crazy. transgressing from my mom that i can be like it just shows you how deeply they're ingrained oh yeah because oh, to yeah. me it's funny because like i have never had that experience and to me it's like obvious yeah it's like oh yeah i mean we were just watching have, have, what, dating around have you heard about that no that show what is that so it's it's this oh, show my God, where it's, so addictive. it's it's really <laughs> we we already finished the first oh, season great. or whatever it is, whatever it is i don't know if it's a season but on netflix basically cool. uh one person dates like goes goes on five dates okay. at like the same restaurant right. and then they go to drinks and then they pick one person to go. Oh, great, you know? great, great. And so there was uh, one a, with... A callback to the, the era of MTV dating shows. Exactly. Yeah. Except cool. it's like super classy cool. and like well shot. Yeah, it looks you know? like it's not reality TV. Yeah. It looks, yeah. And I would not it be looks surprised great. to find out that it was all scripted <laughs> even though they're <laughs> trying to sell it as reality TV. Yeah, I, I think I think it's real but I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. This, the conversation sounds real but then there are these moments it's where they say, this, they say the same thing to every in, in every date right. so it's like who knows and then they cut it up you know to see how they react differently but anyway so in in the episode where it was a gay woman like you know or i'm assuming she was gay i don't know she might like men too there was a there was like a really androgynous woman that she was or or them who was by far the hottest person yeah katie katie was really into them yeah and like but yeah and like yeah katie's like oh yeah this is the hottest one (laughs) you know yeah 
Oh, it's 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 deep in there, and I'm I'm unpacking it still. But you know, we gotta we gotta have projects. We gotta have hobbies. <laughs> it's and it's also really interesting because you're from near San Fran. I know that and is like, the worst part. And yeah, but the thing is, you but you come from this conservative county, so yeah. it's like. That's what's super strange, like, you know, because someone hears, oh, you're from San Francisco? Like, this is tough for you? Like, I mean, not that it isn't for people in San Francisco, but you do come from a conservative oh, place. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, and, and conservative is so interesting because they're a liberal place. And I'm putting that in quotes, people who can't see that I'm doing this, but, like, <laughs> it's a very liberal county, just like Duke is a liberal campus. Yeah, and so, like, yeah. conservative means something so different. And that's why I'm, like, so, like, drawn to this area because I'm, like, why are you all calling yourself? Mm. Like, why are we talking about being liberal when like exactly, we have yeah. so much work to do? I, I totally, this is why I've kind of totally detached myself from the idea of liberal and conservative because I, I grew up in a blue state. I grew up right. outside of Baltimore, right. but it was a, it was a conservative place. Right. It was not a liberal place. Right. You know, like this, honestly. That's the same as Little Rock. I'm yeah. from Little Rock, Arkansas. Cities are like, really the only liberal places. Little Rock's they really only are, the you know? blue district because it's a city and like right. surrounding all of Arkansas is red. But like in general in Little Rock, I mean, there are so many conservative like viewpoints that I was just like, I felt suffocated. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or like just like not necessarily like, oh, if it came to voting, maybe like I would definitely vote liberal. But if you're gossiping yeah. about someone who looks like you can't place their gender mm. that is a conservative value yeah. Like, oh that's, yeah that's, forget about androgyny they them and like little rock yeah. like i mean like i'm you know my, me, my little rock friends might get pissed off about this but it's true mm-hmm. i mean to me to me more than anything honestly it just blows up the idea of being a liberal or a conservative yeah. mm-hmm. you know what i mean that, that to me more than anything it's like the the reason cities are so much more liberal is because we are all packed in together and we mm-hmm. have to learn to live with each other. And it makes everything better, honestly. Yeah. That oh, that's yeah. why I identify I'm now doing quotes like, you know, as a liberal, but like we all have certain conservative values. Yeah. Like it's like certain there's certain things that we're more like, you know, a little drawn into ourselves about, yep. you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that that's a really interesting thing though. Yeah. Because totally. I, I yeah, there's a lot of things you have in your life that I relate to. I'm yeah. just not gay. No, it's cool. <laughs> that's like yeah. you know what I mean? Like like I just have never had that experience. But I would imagine that you are slightly more emotionally sensitive than most men. I I very 100%. much feel, yeah. so, <laughs> so I, I that feel that might way. be your your coming out of the closet moment. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You're like I, I, kn- I have feelings. I've I've known that though. Yeah. No, no, I'm just saying that like just growing up with with people in conservative that we're talking about that in that way like men aren't allowed to have emotions. Right, like, so right. Like, that yes. makes you unique. Yep, it's very true. That very makes true. you transgress some of the social order. Yeah. And um, I mean, honestly, I'm just lucky enough that I think the culture of my friends growing up was like that. Yeah. We were all, I mean, don't get me wrong, growing up in the early 2000s, it's like, we're still, we're right. still, we're still using gay as like a, right. like, you right, know, right. it's like me the, yeah. like the, you know, not to bring up Louis C.K., you know, whatever right. we feel about him, but like the, leave him out of this, the faggot joke, right? right? It's like, unfortunately back then, that's what people said. And it's, yeah. thank God we don't anymore. But at, like, that's a, I mean, that's like kind of like a, you could say like a not very liberal no. thing to say. Say, no. but you know and I, but I, none of us had a problem with gay people right you like know? what like and what you're saying too I, I my group of friends was so cool with me being like this like sexless androgynous person like no one thought like no one was waiting for me. no one was like why don't you have a none of my high school friends were wondering why mm-hmm. i didn't have a boyfriend they were just like mm-hmm. you're just who you are and then it wasn't until i went out into this like uber elite world of being at duke where i was like why don't i have a boyfriend <laughs> questions mm-hmm. when was it do you remember like what year when i came out or like oh. when you realized more like, oh you know? first week of college i was like wow here it is and so then what was it about college i think that i probably was like i'll meet a boy in college and then i got to college and i was like i don't want to date any of you and so then i was like man that's so crazy first within the first week 
yeah, just like crashing like true true this wow. is what's happening yeah. not i'm gonna explore it i'm just i know this is true now as a like a psychology major i feel like you know i don't know if you guys know but like the like the, one of the gold standards for like comparisons is comparing twins that have been separated yeah, right. or twins twin that have studies. stayed together yeah. like you know twins because then you can see right, like gen- genetics are the same right and then like you see like this like right. together and apart i feel like in terms of repression there can be such a good there's so much to mind between like gay people and straight people. You know mm. what I mean? Like if you could just like somehow track, like if you had, yeah. a, if you had twins that were gay or something like, yeah. or like one was, I don't know. I'm now Although, I'm just spitballing. But, I will like, say like to Katie's point, like people experience re- repression for all sorts of things. So, so yeah, that, yeah. yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, but there's such a desire. I feel like somewhat to like come out, you know, because like how, like we, it's like, okay, so let's say someone represses the fact that they like, a video game yeah, like that they're not that. supposed to like yeah, yeah whatever there's yeah. not this like oh my god this like doom that no, builds right no. it's like but like being being gay is like yeah i want to live the way i want to live like sex is a huge part of people's lives right, right? like you know so and, that's why i feel like there's could be i don't know and, and I, it's so interesting because i've been thinking about this a lot now that i'm hopefully getting a job or going to be working in advocacy because when i was coming out i was like so devastated i really didn't want to do it did not want to deal with this hurdle because I just didn't see any sort of like, oh, I want to have sex with someone. I didn't think about that at all. The, mm. My friend made me make a list of the reasons why I wanted to come out and why it was important. And the first two items are like, I want to be a role model for other people who need to come out and oh. I want to help other people mm-hmm. make this easier for them because it's so hard for me. Bottom of my list was that I want to be happy. Like, that's a backwards list. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. My my happiness should have come first. Like, it's I, I mean, yes, it's admirable that my intention was that I wanted to do it for other people, but that means no, that I true, lived yeah. the world where, like, my gayness was in service of other people, which is not good. So I'm, like, trying very hard to authentically flip that script a little bit and be like, this is about my happiness, and then I can help others. Like, fix your safety mask to your face first. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right, right, but, yeah. but it's so interesting because I definitely have – I mean, I have so much more to say about this, and I know we can't keep going, but, like, I have so many thoughts about the way that I've made my gayness – or that's not even a term, sorry, everyone, but yeah, I've um, heard it. <laughs> like work for other people or like in the service of the world where then I feel like, oh, I need to be the right kind of gay or I need to like hold myself a certain standard. I can't transgress gender too much because mm. then people will be like, like watch your gay, you know, like watch it. But it's, it's clearly I can now tell, I can now rethink and be like, this has been in the back of my mind the entire time that I've been an out woman is that I've been carefully towing the line of like I'll be gay but like you won't even notice like mm-hmm. you won't even notice me don't worry I'll be quiet over here oh my god I have like everything that you're saying right now I've felt one like 100% I mean like I am a person who who feels very fluid in my sexuality with a male partner and so right. like I keep it very closed mouth right. because mm-hmm. of that because I'm just like okay well like I you know right now I am like a whatever I am masquerading like as a straight person right. with a, a male partner and and like I don't know what you just said like I it resonates yeah. very fully with me yeah and yeah. I think that we should all like I don't know try to be thoughtful about fluidity like not saying that you need to explore but I'm I'm just saying like I can I think that we 
I'm definitely not saying that. I'm sorry. No, I, actually, no. I mean, honestly, I think you. I, I don't think. I, I think you should. Yeah, I'm just because I no because I. Well, I mean, like I'll tell you right now, I don't really have barriers about it. Like I have thought about it, and right. like no, I know what you're saying. I don't yeah. think that should be taboo. No, yeah, I'm not trying. You to You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't think it should. The whole point I think is that it shouldn't be feel. It shouldn't feel like it's being forced upon you. It right. should. That's because, what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like the only reason it would feel that way is if we still have stigmas about certain right ways to live. Right. You know? And so if it would only feel that way if we we placed so much more value on being heterosexual. Yes, so like, exactly. And that's what I'm trying to say. Exactly, is like which is a knee-jerk reaction totally. in society still. Yeah. You know what's funny? It's like when, you, when we watched movies and TV, a lot of the time when parents hear their kids come out on like a TV show or a movie, like so much you hear oh, no, I'm just upset because it's going to be so hard for them. Yeah. You know, while now I was my like, parents was like, are you safe? Yeah, <laughs> and I think there's truth to that. Yeah, oh, but yeah. at the same time, I do think that that's a smokescreen sometimes for, eh, I'm actually still upset about this because you're ingrained to feel upset about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we we have we live in a fear culture, and we live in yeah. a, a, a culture that we're all too safe a little bit in a way, like like even being artist is really hard because people are like what are you doing mm-hmm. uh-huh. and i feel like there are so many parallels i draw between being gay and being an artist that like they mm-hmm. feel the same to me because they're both hiding something hiding something feel like, or feel like outside of the norm yeah. or they're mm-hmm. not uh-huh. they're not part of this like profit making endeavor mm-hmm. so yeah, it, capitalism does not value us at all no really, no really and it's yeah. so interesting how like the bravery to be gay is like to me the same bravery that it takes to write <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah no that's it that's really interesting yeah. what you just said brian that you know life's just going to be so hard, hard for, for them yeah, yeah. i most growing up most people thought that my younger brother was gay and like he's totally straight probably because he's so gorgeous he's very he's he's like a, <laughs> he's if, an actor if you imagine the six foot tall blonde haired crystal blue eyed version of me uh, oh, that's my brother stop yeah. right there and he's yeah. a he's a little movie he's, star now he's out in la like mm, like literally making movies but most, and, most and, he, of, and he looks like Katie, so I might, I'm like, if I'm gonna find out if I have should, any yeah, gay tendencies, like, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> there, that's it's be Roy, it. <laughs> my brother, Roy Rainey. He, but like most of my family, ha- at some point questioned whether or not he was gay, and they often questioned whether or not he was gay to me. Yeah. and like, mm. I was like, oh, that's the sibling you should <laughs> yeah, be asking right. about. And I've actually never come out to my family, so if they listen to this, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. I said that last night on the podcast or yeah. last episode on the podcast with Chris I was like well shit we're talking about all this like if, she's in good know. hands yeah <laughs> I was like well I've never actually said that to any of my family because I've never brought home a partner who wasn't male because right. I knew what I was dealing with right right <laughs> so yeah so that's that's I don't know just like that whole like and I, they said that exact thing to me like Does well, I just know? I just worry about you know how he'll live yep. right. is what they said about Roy and it's I was the, just like it's yeah. the f- it, because it's it's the thing that hedges against both of them mm-hmm. it's like I am upset but I don't have to say I'm upset that you're gay I can only say I can I can say I'm upset because you're gay like yeah. you know and then you're like of course I'm gonna move to New York and it's gonna be fine and they're like New York the big city like I can you can just like mm-hmm. the unraveling of living this like hedonistic lifestyle in New York is uh-huh. like is so interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I was I, I am was the poster child. Far for that. more hedonistic <laughs> in every other country I've lived in than in New York. New York, I feel like I'm my most like <laughs> tame, like tame and like <laughs> that's awesome. Lived self. That's, so we are hilarious. we are coming to a close. Yeah, let's. Yeah. But I just so fun. I want to. I just want to awesome. ask you real yeah. quick: Is like, what else are you working on right now? 
I don't know. I'm in a transition period. I Oh, we're doing this on the air? Yeah. Oh, I know. Did the whole job thing, and that was very distracting. And I'm like, sometimes you finish something, and you're like, I'll never do anything that good again. So I'm, I'm, uh, I have some ideas. One of the things I really want to work on is... I think a lot about loneliness. Mm -hmm. I had this experience where I first got here and I was like accepting that I was an introvert and I got to New York and I was like, this is amazing. I can just be anonymous. And then I went to, I accidentally stumbled upon a sex-themed burlesque show. Oh my God, love Um, it. Yeah, and it was like, I'm very uncomfortable with sex, like in a public way, I'm fine with partners, but. You are from the South, me too. (laughs) Amen. Well, she's from San Francisco. I understand. But but like, (laughs) it might as well be the South. Part of it was like, the the host arrives and she's like, you guys ready to get sexy? And I was just like, oh God, no, like what has happened? (laughs) And then she was like, okay, I want you to find a stranger in the audience and make 90 seconds of eye contact. And I was like, no. (laughs) And I actually like, as soon as I looked into her eyes, I realized that I was going to, like, start crying because I was, like, intimacy. Like, I was, like, oh, wow. accepting this introversion in me and feeling good as a lone ranger. But then it was, like, oh, like, you're a little lonely because, like, that intimacy really triggered something wow. in you. Mm-hmm. You missed that. And so just, wow. like, and if you've read Lonely City by Olivia Lang and No. I have um, not. No. No. Yeah. There's just some thoughts about, I don't know, like, like opening windows to look out and opening windows to look in and whether you're making eye contact in a direct way. I don't know. Hmm. I'm just sitting that one for a while. <laughs> but interesting. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I want to read yeah. it. Don't put that pressure on me. I want to read it. <laughs> I'm saying it on the air. We're I want to read it. Manifesting it. The work. <laughs> Annie, thank you so much for this conversation. Yeah. It's been awesome. Thank you guys for having me. This was yeah. the highlight of my week. That's wow. More than getting the job. Yeah, as soon as I said it, I was like, mm. <laughs> "That's okay." We, you know, We're about you got the here. job. It's we fine. Don't want you to like, yeah, anything. this is fun, but you got a really awesome job. Yeah. So. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Okay, that's it for today's episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review on whichever platform you're listening. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Animal Riot Press or Facebook and Instagram at the same name, or through our website, AnimalRiotPress.com. This has been the 12th episode of the Animal Riot Podcast with your host, Brian Birnbaum, and featuring Annie Krabenschmidt. Transcripts for our deaf and hard of hearing animals are provided by Jonathan Kay, and we are produced by me, Katie Rainey. See you later, you filthy animals. Burn, bombing on yelling, getting gully as the fern. How no much about.